You're listening to Church on the Park Inspiration Podcast. Brought to you by Holy Fire. And broadcasting from the heart of Brisbane City, Australia. Speaking today is Pastor Glenn Gerhauser. message is entitled CPR. CPR. And it's number 10 in Metamorphosis, the Way of Transformation. So number 10. And I'm going to get you to stand as we read the word. So if you can stand, Psalm 84, 1 through 4, we're going to read. Psalm 84, 1 through 4. It looks like Joseph is going to be a new sound technician. <laughs> oh, it's a lot of wind today. I'm going to put that. Great. So, guys, if you're at home or watching this video later, there's a lot, it's a windy day here in Brisbane. A windy day. So, Psalm 84, verse 1 through 4. How lovely are your dwelling places, O Lord of hosts. My soul longed and even yearned for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. The birds also, the bird has also found a house and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. How blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Selah. Let's put our hands on our hearts and, and pray. Dear Jesus, strengthen my heart. Reveal your love to me. In your precious name. Amen. You may be seated. Father, I'm asking that you would be Lord of, over my tongue and everything I say, and that you would be glorified in this message, and that we would have your vision, your perspective, and our lives would be metamorphosized, changed. As we meditate on Psalm 84, breathe fresh life into us. Amen. Amen. So the theme this morning is this. Psalm 84 shows us the pathway to a renewed heart and strength. Psalm 84 shows us the pathway to a renewed heart and strength. And so we began reading this passage from Psalm 84. And this is what we're going to meditate on today, Psalm 84. Now, just a comment through the different prophecies and what the Lord is speaking to the church. I had a real sense that the Lord is building a strong foundation of love in our congregation. So one of the things that God is doing right now is he's building a strong foundation of love. He's revealing his love to us. And I want to ask you to pray, Lord, reveal your love to me personally. 
And that's a love that, if he reveals it to us, he wants us to also walk in it and operate it, operate in it, and show it to others. So now back to Psalm 84. When I was 18 years old, about 18 years old, my church was offering an infant CPR course. And I was active in church life, so active that whatever the program was, I took it on. And I signed up for it, and I heard that they're doing this infant CPR course. At that time, I had no kids. <laughs> I was 18. And there were no infants in my family, so there was no kind of kids or infants in my family. But for some reason, I took the course. And about seven years later, what I learned on that day helped save Gideon's life. It was about one, and he began to choke. And he started to get blue, as I remember it. And immediately, I put into practice the techniques I learned from the course, where you take the baby and you put him down on your arm and you bring him down here and you hold him, you hold his chin in your hand, and, and you hit them uh, quite strongly in the back, but not too strong because you don't want to hurt them. And this was back then. I don't know if they have new, some of you are in the medical field and you know they update these things, but that's how it was back then. And there was different techniques that we learned. Well, quickly, the blockage in Gideon's mouth quickly unlodged, and he could breathe again. And so what I learned helped save his life. And I had to use that, those techniques that I learned several times as the kids grew up uh, for our other kids. Now, today the message is entitled CPR. And we're going to be talking about how God unblocks our hearts, how he renews us, how he restores us. And it's been a theme over the last few weeks. So today we're meditating on Psalm 84. It's a psalm that has three distinct portions. First, there is the C portion, which we just read, which we're entitling communion, uh, communion, communion. Or communing, it could be communing. Uh, uh, I like to put it in the ing form. And then second is the uh, P portion, which we're going to entitle pressing, pressing. And then third is the R portion, which is rejoicing. And so we're going to look at this psalm and these three things. Our hearts are revived and strengthened by these three things, communing with God, Pressing on in our pilgrimage and rejoicing in the Lord. So, are you ready? You ready to go? Ready to go forward. So, the first point is this. Crave communion with God. Crave communion with God. In the first portion of this psalm, the psalmist craves for communion with God. He's consumed. It's another way that one of the words can be translated in Hebrew. He's consumed with being where God dwells. It consumes him. He he, he moves. He's he's yearning. There's this longing and yearning in his heart. Observe how the psalm begins. How lovely are your dwelling places, Yahweh Tzavuot, 
or Lord of hosts. How lovely are your dwelling places. The original begins with the Hebrew word ma. Uh, say that with me, ma. And ma is usually used for a question. Uh, but here it's, it's this what or how. Ma is what or how. And here it's used as an exclamation. What loveliness or how beloved is one of the ways it can be translated. So, and that's why we read how lovely, this ma, this how lovely are your dwelling places, how beloved. It's a statement here of wonder, praise, and amazement. And as we started our Bible school semester, I want to encourage you, never lose your wonder for God. Never lose your amazement and wonder and passionate, burning love. The, the psalmist here just shows on the page through his writing, through his singing, he shows on the page how much he longs for, how much he yearns for, how amazed he is at what? The dwelling places of God. So today the churches that welcome Jesus are the Lord's dwelling places. The churches that welcome Jesus that invite his Holy Spirit in, they are the dwelling places of the Lord today on earth. And so I would encourage, that's what the church is called to be. Uh, I would encourage all the churches to welcome Jesus. We are meant to be a dwelling place for the Lord. More than a social club, like Fran said, we are not. And Fran did a beautiful job opening up, didn't she? We're not meant to be merely a social club. We're not meant to be a social club. We're meant to be a dwelling place for the Lord. That's why worship is so important. That's why the prayer is so important. Welcoming the Lord is critical. It's this psalm, Psalm 84, and Psalm 23, which we covered last week, which summarize who we are and what we are doing as a church. I want to make it clear what our identity is and who we are. This is not the only thing we're going to focus on, but for, for a few moments, our purpose as a church, Church on the Park, Holy Fire Fellowship, our purpose is to be a dwelling place for God, yes. for God to dwell. And as we host God's presence, God does the work and he does a work of moving and restoring and making people whole. Amen. He is the one that makes people whole. He is the one that does the work. Our main objective is to host and honor and value his presence. Amen. And I, as a pastor, I try not to put any pressure on you to do anything I don't want to put any pressure on you to do anything that the Lord hasn't put on your heart. I just want you to operate in the anointing that the Lord has given you. Amen. The gifting has given you. And, and for some, it's, it's you excel in serving, and some excel in giving, and some excel in prayer, and some excel in the prophetic. And, and, and many of you have multiple gifts, right? And uh, there's a lot that the Lord has given you. And so as my... 
as pastor, I just want to encourage you, me not to force you, but to encourage you to operate in those gifts. Because when what we saw this morning is different people moved in the gifts, you can sense God's presence. You can sense the thickness of it and him moving and acting. And that's what his church is meant to be. It's not meant to be our work, but his work. But we do need to show up and come with a surrendered, willing heart. Right? We do need to open up ourselves and be hungry for him. Crave him. Crave communion with him. Now, what do I mean by communion? Communion means intimacy with the Lord. Communion means that close fellowship with the Lord. It's, we know, you know, you can break up the word as common union. It's that union we have with God. It's that heart-to-heart fellowship. That's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about craving communion. And I'm jealous that the Lord feels at home here in this church and that we host him. And that is the thing I'm jealous for the most is that we host him and he feels at home here and we do not grieve him in any way. But here's the thing. If we do grieve him, he corrects us. He, he, uh, he doesn't leave us. He works through it with us. Sadly, we live in a generation where we've lost our all-consuming passion and yearning for Yahweh's courts in his house. But this is what Psalm 84, and Psalm 84 really encapsulates what this church is about, as well as Psalm 23. But in, in the world today, people are losing that love because the increase of lawlessness, the love of many has grown cold. And I've defined lawlessness as it's more, it doesn't have to do merely with like, oh, I broke the spirit, speed limit, so I'm lawless. It ha- lawlessness has to do with, well, that's not good, so don't do it, please. But when the scripture talks about lawlessness, it means going against God's word and his teaching and his ways. Going against God's word, his teaching, and his ways. So there may be a law in Queensland, and it may be lawlessness even though it is a law. And I'm thinking of things like uh, the abortion laws and other things of that nature, which I don't have time to get into, all, get, it, get into it all, but we use the scripture to discern what is good and what is bad, what is evil. But we've lost this all-consuming passion and yearning for Yahweh's courts, and, and the church has become something casual because we see it as the church rather than the dwelling place of God. So every time you hear the word church, hear the dwelling place of God. When you hear churches, they are meant to be the dwelling places of God. We don't want to be like the Laodicean church where Jesus is on the outside knocking. Hey, can I come in? That Jesus is knocking on the door of the church and he wants to come in and have fellowship with them. We want an open door to the Lord. This is his house and his place. And all of us ministering, we are just servants for that purpose. But today, sadly, across the globe, we've become casual about the Lord's courts hosting his presence and craving communion with him. But God is raising up 
little bodies of people. Sometimes they're bigger, but little groups, surrendering groups, and some, some are bigger than others, some are smaller, but he's raising up all of these churches that long to be dwelling places for the Lord. They're new wineskins. Don't take your old thoughts of church and bring them into these new wineskins. They're new wineskins that are flexible and are open and want the new wine of God. And God is raising them up all across this city and this globe. And our goal is to pioneer a new way, to be a Davidic people. The sons of Korah were a Davidic people. They came in the, the heart and the spirit of David. They followed in the footsteps of their spiritual father, David. And this is one of the, the Psalms of the son, sons of Korah. And David means David. David means beloved. How lovely. That word is like the word lovely there. Where it says ma and then the word lovely. That word lovely sounds like David in Hebrew. Uh, it's the same, uh, it has the same association there. David, beloved, the, the lovely one, the one that is treasured and valued. That's the idea of David, the Lord's beloved. And each one of us who are in Christ are the Lord's beloved. So, amen? You're the recipient of the Lord's love. And there's so much we can learn from David. He was someone that longed for God's manifest glory to dwell where he lived. And we saw that, we see that in 2 Samuel chapter 6, where he longs for the ark of God to be in his city, the city of David in Jerusalem, in Zion. He longs for it. And that should be our longing too, to wherever we go, to long for God's manifest glory to be there. Look at Psalm, we'll look at Psalm 132, Psalm 132 and verses 1 through 5. This is one of the songs of ascent, and it helps us to ascend the spiritual hill of the Lord. It was one of the psalms that was sung when the Jews were on a pilgrimage and when they were going up to the temple. And also this Psalm 84, too, that is our major meditation today. Psalm 84 is one of those pilgrimage psalms. But here's Psalm 132. And last week, oh, last week or the week before that, we were on Psalm 131. We'll read that again later. Uh, Remember, O Lord, on David's behalf, all his affliction how he swore to the Lord and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob, surely I will not enter my house nor lie on my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes nor slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, Yahweh, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. And then in verse 8 it says, Arise, O Lord, to your resting place, you and the ark of your strength. So you see how David was, how he couldn't sleep until God was resting where he was. Do you see that longing? Do you see that passion? You see, he, there was that self-denial. That's what the affliction speaks of. I will not enter my house nor lie on my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until, say until, 
until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. So here, we as God's people today, we recognize that he is with us. He's dwelling with us. And our longing is for him to dwell more thickly, more strongly, uh, more evidently, so evident that the people start to come in from the outside and they say, what is this? What is happening? And God is revealed to them and they start to come to know the Lord. People are, see, the presence of God is magnetic. And when we host God's presence, people begin to come and be drawn to the presence of God because the presence of God brings true healing. It brings true deliverance. It brings, it satisfies the soul. As the end of Psalm 84, verse 5, this first portion, the end of this first portion, it says, how blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Ashrei Yoshvei Vetecha. Ashrei. Some of you, how blessed, Ashrei. Some of you may have studied this word, Ashrei, but if you haven't studied this word, let me say it again. What is this Ashrei, how blessed? Well, Ashrei means uh, jubilant, happy, full of joy, satisfied, blissful, fortunate. So how blissful are those who dwell in your house? How happy are those who dwell in your house? They are ever praising you. And then we have this word, dwell, which is yeshav in Hebrew. And what's interesting about yeshav is that it's the equivalent of the Greek word meno, abide. And so when Jesus is calling us to abide in him and he abides in us, it relates most closely to this word yeshav, which is to dwell or to sit. It's to rest, to abide. So here, how blessed are those who abide in your house? How blessed are those who dwell in your house? How blessed are those who sit, who remain? And this is where all fruitfulness comes in our life. This is where joy comes. It all comes from that coming to a place of rest in God's presence. But you got to crave. you got to crave. you got to long for. You see, and that craving comes from the Holy Spirit within. The Holy Spirit within is longing. That, that deep Holy Spirit within is longing for the depths of God. It's out of this abiding, as we learn about in John 15, out of this abiding and dwelling and resting in God that all fruitfulness flows. So we can tend to think if we put on this program and do this or do that, ah, we'll have fruitfulness. But all the fruitfulness in God's kingdom, that, that may have some temporary success. But all true fruitfulness that remains comes from abiding intimacy, Communion with God, that heart-to-heart communion with God. Do you see this? It's communion with God that revives and restores us. It's the first part of the spiritual CPR that we're talking about. Communion and craving communion. 
And it's also about learning Psalm 131. We've just read a portion of Psalm 132. I want us to look at Psalm 131. Now that was, I sent you out the uh, infographic of Psalm 131. And I'm going to go, I'm going to pull that one up. Psalm 131. And it looks like, hopefully my Bible doesn't blow away as I take my iPad off. This is, this is what it looks like, but I haven't printed it out. It's just a digital copy. But you can go to brisbanefire.com and the infographics, brisbanefire.com, and then go to the infographics page, and you can get this and download it to your device. And this is a, a fresh translation that I did, a poetic translation. Charles Spurgeon called this uh, psalm like a pearl among gems. How beautifully it will adorn the neck of patience. And then he goes on to say it's one of the shortest psalms to read, but one of the longest to learn. And I'm going to read it. It's very short. I'm going to read it. Shortest to read, but the longest to learn. And it's all about finding this stillness, and contentment in God. And, and I find that our hearts today, especially with what has gone on with COVID and all the COVID, COVID chaos, as I, I'd like to call it, our hearts are not necessarily settled or content. How can they be content? How can they be settled? Well, they are settled and content in God's presence. In God's presence. And by humility. So listen to this. Yahweh, no pride in my heart, no cockiness in my eyes, no strut in my step, and no thought I'm an expert. Instead, instead let me be balanced, my soul quiet, like a weaned child, resting with his mother, like a weaned child, calm, content, and satisfied, my soul. Hope, O Israel, wait, confidently expecting Yahweh both now and forever. Amen? And I don't hear an amen. amen. Or is it on me, you know? <laughs> but woe is me. Uh, but here it's saying, instead, let me be balanced. In order to walk properly, you need balance. The Hebrew word is, is, is like balance. It's being balanced. And, so he, his, his, his heart's cry is, let me be balanced, my soul quiet. Like a weaned child resting with his mother. A weaned child is not crying anymore. Ah, I want this, I want that. Now, now, now. And that's the thing that has crept into our hearts. Now, give it to me now. I want it now. And a weaned child is content. And you know, it takes a, a lifetime to learn that peace and contentment in the Lord where we are just resting with him and we don't have to prove ourselves. But here's the thing. When we come to that place of contentment and that place of resting with the Lord and being weaned of our own desires and wants, and we come to that place of calmness, then the Lord can direct us, guide us, tell us what to do. And what is coming out of our lives, our ministry is coming out of peace rather than our own works, our flesh, 
this is the great thing that Paul is trying to teach the church. You could do, you could do the same thing in the flesh or in the spirit. You can preach in the flesh or you can preach in the spirit. You can pray in the flesh or you can pray in the spirit. You can come to church in the flesh or you can come in the spirit. You can worship in the flesh or you can worship in the spirit. So the, the same thing that is good can be done in a right way and a wrong way, in the flesh or in the spirit. You can reach out to the poor in the flesh or in the spirit. And the Lord has called us to be people who are in the spirit. You can offer sacrifices, lots of sacrifices like Saul in the Old Testament and still be disobedient to God because he was doing it in the flesh and not by the Holy Spirit. And so the Lord has called us to be a people who are of the spirit and it all comes out of communion with God. So this is not the last time you'll hear me talk about this because it's so foundational to our walk with the Lord. So that's just the first, that's C, C, say Communing. communing. That's C. Now, point two is this. Press on in your pilgrimage with Jesus. Press on in your pilgrimage with Jesus. Psalm 84, verses 5 through 8. This is now the second portion. And they're, they're uh, divided with the Selah. And so it's divided in three parts. And here it says... How blessed, Ashrei, how blessed is the man whose strength is in you. Now, anytime the Bible says man, it also includes women. Okay, so that's why the modern translations are saying, you know, they or he and she or he or she. How blessed is the man whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion, or in whose heart is that pilgrim, that pilgrim way. Passing through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. We talked about that last week. The early rain also covers it with blessings. They go from strength to strength. Everyone appears before God in Zion. O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. This is the second portion, starting with how blessed is the man whose strength is in you. So... In this portion, we're learning that even though we are to, uh, we're meant to come to a rest and a place of peace and communion, there is also the pressing on in the pilgrimage. There is a moving forward. And Psalm 84 is a pilgrimage psalm, and the Jews probably sang it when they journeyed to Jerusalem during the Feast of Tabernacles. The pilgrims that Israel took uh, the pilgrimage, sorry, the pilgrimages that Israel took were a small picture of our lives' journey, of the journey of our lives, these uh, pilgrimages that they took. And there was about three, there was three, three, exactly three pilgrimages that they could take, Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, how do you take a pilgrimage? You understand the pilgrimage? It's a holy journey. It's a journey with a purpose. Uh, where you are on this holy journey to seek God. And that's what our lives are about. It takes God's strength to go on a pilgrimage. It takes God's strength to be on his pilgrimage. And that's why I say how blessed are those whose strength is in you. That's how it begins that portion. How blessed is the man whose strength is in you. 
In other words, it's not in our own strength, it's in His strength. Now why? Why is it that we need the Lord's strength? Because our pilgrimage, in our pil pilgrimage that the Lord has called us to, there's ups and there's downs. There are dry places and there's barren places. There's beautiful views, but also there's traps and pitfalls. So we need the Lord's strength. But here's the good news. Jesus is with us on the journey. Jesus is with you on that pilgrimage. He is both your shepherd and he is the goal of the pilgrimage. He is the pride. He is the goal of the pilgrimage. He's there at the end. And this is what I saw in the vision the Lord gave me last week. I saw that, I remember I described how the Lord took me into this vision. I was a feeling and experiencing all these things. And he set out a table. And now I'm just paraphrasing. I'm not reading from my notes. But he set out a table and he said to me, uh, have some rest for the journey is too long for you. So take some rest. And he pulled out a table and he was pouring new wine and he was hosting uh, me and he was renewing my strength. He was right there. But then I also saw uh, we were in a valley and there was a straight path, a very straight path. And at the end of that path, it seemed like a long distance away, was the Lord shining in all his brilliance like a sun. It was shining and it was face, his face was there. But one of the things that was interesting is he seemed so far, to, far away and so close at the same time. So I can't explain that to you unless you experience it. That he was far away, that there was a lot more to go on this journey, but he was so close, and that also his face was so close, but also he was right beside me as well. Jesus was there right beside me, helping me and hosting me. And he was saying, Glenn, you can make it. He was cheering me on. You can make it. Don't stop. You have more to see. You have more to hear. You have more to experience. Keep on going. But take this, take this rest right now. And, and I see that as our, our quiet times are meant to be times of rest, of feasting with the Lord, of communion with the Lord, so that we can press on in our pilgrimage. So the per there's a purpose of our quiet times. There's a purpose of these times right now where we're sitting and just listening to God's Word and worshiping Him. The purpose of these times that we have in this gathering that we have Sunday, or if you gather in your homes and it's God glorifying, the purpose of all these times is so that we can get the strength to continue on in the journey. There is a pilgrimage. And what this church is about is we are on a pilgrimage together. And we are strengthening one another and helping one another. The, pilgrim, the pilgrimage is a core part of who we are as Church on the Park and Holy Fire Fellowship. Now, when I use Holy Fire Fellowship, I'm thinking of the extended family because there's a lot of people that have come to our church and made, they're pastors now. They're in different churches, different ministries. But here's the thing. If someone leaves this church, I always see them as part of the family still. They're always part of the family. There's this extended family. And there's a, there's a lot of people over that those years. So we don't burn bridges and say, hey, you're not a part of us. Uh, you know, you're not a part of us. We're not going to be a part of you. But 
we love you and you're part of the family and hey, come back anytime. This is a base. This is a home. Just like if you left your parents' house in a good, healthy family, you, can, you have the keys. When I go back to America, my pastor, because I usually stay with my pastor uh, when I've been going back to America, and I'll stay with my pastor. He lives uh, about five minutes from my dad and my brother. And uh, of course, it was a little uh, harder for me to be at my dad and my brother's house because my mom passed away. So I'll stay with my pastor. My pastor gives me the keys, and he gives me the security code. So now you can know you can trust me. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just joking around there. <laughs> no, he, he, one time I was so jet-lagged, I was in the bed. I couldn't get out. I was sick. I was jet-lagged from the trip. I was in the bed, and he was locked out, and he was saying, Glenn, Glenn. Oh, I felt horrible because I couldn't get, I didn't know until about five hours later. <laughs> and I, I, he got in through, he got a key from someone else anyway. Listen, I made some mistakes along the way, but that was not intentional. It was just after you go on this long journey, sometimes you get really sick from the plane. And I, and I, I was really comatose. Anyway, my pastor is very kind. And he gave me, you know, I got the keys in, in the house and the fridge is open. And that's what, in, a, in a healthy family, that's how it is. And that is what we are about as a church. This is a family. The house is open. Go, you know, come and listen to the messages or get them online. But uh, that's for those who have, have gone out from us. But we do need the people that are here. <laughs> we need you, so I don't want to, like, uh, thrust you out too fast. Also, I want to encourage you. This is a great spiritual heritage that we have here that comes from revival and comes from these great men of God who came before us. Um, this church has a great spiritual heritage. Don't trade that for instant gratification or a pot of stew like Esau, but value the heritage that you have in the Lord, which goes way back. It goes way back in the Lord. Yeah, yeah, amen. As believers, we should be constantly growing, learning, and challenging ourselves. It's a pilgrimage, so we should always be go going forward. We should never be content with, oh, I know it all now. I know everything I, I, I need to know about the Bible. No, every week I'm here to challenge you. And I'm also here to try to get you to think outside of your, your boxes. It's one of the things Dr. Brown, Dr. Michael Brown, taught me as well as my pastor taught me. And Dr. Brown will have on a show, like the beginning of this year, he had somebody on a show that was uh, anti the vaccinations. And I don't want to talk about this much, but I just want, he had one guy and he debate, he, he had the whole show where he went against the vaccinations. Then later, Dr. Brown had on a show a guy who was from Australia, he's from creation.com. He's a scientist, and he was for the vaccinations, and he had the whole show talking about the vaccinations. Now, what was the goal of my spiritual father in doing this is that we need to hear both sides, and let's not divide over this thing. Someone's 
someone's not vaccinated, someone's vaccinated, we should still be brothers in the Lord and love one another. We shouldn't divide and say, hey, you didn't listen to me. You're not doing what I'm doing, so I'm not going to hang around with you. But we should be able to value one another and love one another and support one another. And people, people have different reasons for what they do. But more importantly is the love of Christ. And we don't want to cast out anybody for some outward thing. You know, like... What if somebody in this church wanted to, they said, you know, I'm eating kosher and I don't want any pork. I don't want to eat anything like that. Uh, we should honor that person and not cast them out and not make them, make, not force them to eat bacon and eggs. Because <laughs> that, that was one of the issues in the early church. And this is why we apply those principles to what is happening today. Amen. Now, we're almost finished here, but I've got some more to share. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. Listen to Paul here. We're talking about pressing on. We're talking about going forward, growing, learning, uh, not getting stuck in our own mindsets, our own pet beliefs, and also pressing on in our knowledge of God. That's the most important thing, knowing Him intimately. And Paul says this, Philippians 3, 7, it's classic. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. And may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. That I may know him. This is his heart cry. That I may know him. Now, he knew the Lord already, but he wants to know him more. That's what he's longing for here. We see the same longing in Psalm 84. This is where Paul would have got it from, this longing that's in the Psalms and in the men of God of old, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained it or already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Verse 14, he says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So this is the example that he lays for us. There's more that you can read there, but that's all we'll read right now. Now, in that vision, I was having a conversation with the Lord. And here's the conversation I had with God as he showed me happy people, uh, he showed me these happy people dancing and singing and celebrating up in the sky uh, against a dark backdrop uh, like, the, like space. And, and I, I saw them dancing and singing, and I, also, I felt also the joy as I saw them dancing and singing. So I asked him, who are these happy people? And he said to me, those are they who have run the race and finished the course. And they're rejoicing because they've run the race and they finished the course. And then the Lord began to speak to, and I left this part of the conversation out. 
uh, last week because I thought it might be a little bit challenging. But it's not meant to offend. So the Lord said to me, people are misunderstanding you. And I replied, why, Lord? And he said, because they are hearing and seeing your word, your words through their own filters and lenses. How can I keep them from misunderstanding? Tell them to take off their filters and lenses. The world is seen much better through my eyes. The Lord went on to say, that's why Isaiah said the whole earth is filled with the glory of the Lord when he quoted the seraphim. And then he went on to say, the whole earth is full of my glory. Then the Lord said, my people need to see with my eyes and they will see with faith, hope and love, not fear, dread and anger. The world wants to make you fearful of my shakings, but my shakings are good. It teaches the world righteousness. Then the Lord said, and I, I quoted this one last week, by not spending time with me, my people are missing out on so much of what I want to show them and give to them. Take a little time to be with me, to rest in my presence. Let me be your shepherd. Now, anytime you're hearing the word of God, it's so important that you take off your own filters and lenses. One filter may be kind of your denominational growing up in, maybe the church you grew up in, and so you see things a certain way. But you want to take that filter off. Some people are all seeing everything with the filter of uh, vaccination or not vaccination. You need to take that fil filter off because that's not how I'm preaching the word. And there's all these filters. Maybe you're in the circumstance of yourself, and so you're hearing the word, how do I get out of my circumstance? But you got to take the filter and the lens of your circumstance and your situation off. There's many filters and lenses, and sometimes we don't even realize that we have them. But when we come to the word, we got to, uh, sometimes we're offended, and so everything is being filtered through some type of offense or anger we have. So anytime we come to the scripture, or to preaching, or even a prophetic word we may have been given, we need to take off our lenses to hear what the Lord is saying and to see clearly. The Lord wants us to see with His eyes. With His eyes. Are you with me here? Because that was the kind of tough part of what I was... Uh, What's in there? Some people say it's not tough, but if you've, got the fill, if you've got those lenses on and you're being told to take off the lenses, well, that could be a bit, a bit tough on you. Yes. Would you lead us for 20 seconds in a repentance prayer for taking the lenses? Yes, yes, let's do that. So we're almost finished with this message here. Let's, before we do that, let's pray a short prayer of taking the filters off. Father, we repent right now for our filters and lenses that we have kept on and seeing things with our own eyes rather than your eyes. We want to take them off. That Holy Spirit, you would reveal what lens we're coming to, whether it be our own pain, our own loneliness, our own political opinions and thoughts. Lord, we want to lay all of those down and repent. We don't want to mix anything with your word. We take off our lenses, we take off our filters, 
Help us to see with your eyes. Touch our eyes to see, Lord. And we turn to you right now. And even those listening to this, help them, Lord, to see clearly in Jesus' name through your eyes. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Patrick. So the last point and the last portion here, the last point is this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. Psalm 84, 9 through 12. And we'll read this portion. This is our last portion. I'll make a few comments, not as long as before. 9 through 12. Behold our shield, O God. And look upon the face of your anointed, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand outside. I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly or with integrity and wholeness. That's the, the tamim there. O Lord of hosts, how blessed is the man who trusts in you. And so we could see this rejoicing in this portion. A day in your courts is better than a thousand outside. And the Lord God is a sun and shield. Now listen, in our lives, there are things that we can't rejoice over. We don't rejoice over that Emma's and Valu's mom had a fall but we do rejoice that the Lord is with us and that he is turning it all for the good and that she's still alive, right? Because it was real, it was a real threat. And so we can always rejoice in the Lord. So how do we rejoice? We, re we rejoice with his strength. It's his joy and we rejoice in him. Uh, he's he was not, not going to withhold any good thing from those who have a whole perfect heart toward him. Now, here's the thing. When you are uh, downcast, when you are broken, when you don't feel like you can go on anymore, maybe, uh, you know, you're giving up, the Lord doesn't cast you out and say, oh, you've got a bad heart. You know, here it is. You're angry. You're upset. You can't go on anymore. You're discouraged. That's it. You're not good enough for me. Get out of here. No, what he does is he says, he sends from heaven and he says from heaven, Lord, send that one more reinforcements. Amen. Send Chris some more reinforcements. Send him some more help, some more angels. He's having a hard time. He's stumbling around a little bit. Now, this is nothing personal, Chris. It's just, I just, let me use a generic person. <laughs> Tom. Tom's stumbling around a bit. He, he's, he's getting off the path. Send some reinforcements. Send some help. And the Lord sends his angels. He sends people. He sends all sorts of things to help us, to strengthen us. Not to cast us out, but to strengthen us. And so we can have great joy in the Lord. The joy of the Lord, and Joseph gives me a lot of joy every time I see his face. Right? The joy of the Lord, our continual, our continual celebration of who he is, his house, and all he has done, is our strength on this journey. 
our continual celebration of Him, who He is, His house, all He has done, is our strength on this journey. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And how do we have this joy? We have it by the power of the Holy Spirit. So in every circumstance and situation, the Lord is doing something good. In every circumstance, in every situation, the Lord is doing something good. Yes, we could recognize the devil is trying to do something. But if you focus on the devil, you'll become proud and bitter and angry and resentful just like he is. So in every, the devil could be doing something to bother you. And he's been doing a lot this week to bother me, right? And bother Anna. But if I focus on what he's doing, I am going to be as angry and resentful and revengeful as he is. So my eyes are off of him. And I'm going to look to the Lord. And Lord, you're able to turn this for good. You are my son. You are my shield. You are my protection, and I rejoice in you. And this joy is not coming from my experience, outward experiences. It's coming from the Holy Spirit within. There's always a reason to rejoice in the Lord. While Paul's in prison, in lockdown, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. That's what he said in Philippians. Three times in this psalm, Psalm 84, it features the Hebrew word ashray which we mentioned before. It's a feature three times. How blessed, happy, blessed, filled with joy, satisfied, and fulfilled. It's how the Psalms start. Ashray. It's how Psalm 119 starts. Ashray. It encap it, this word encapsulates the effervescent joy of the one who dwells in God's house. Find strength in God and trust in the Lord. And the last thing... I want to mention is that four times God is referred to in this pilgrimage psalm as Yahweh Tzavuot or Yahweh Elohim Tzavuot, which means Lord of hosts or Lord of the armies, especially Lord of the heavenly armies. So what is the picture that the Lord is showing us? On this pilgrimage and around his house is his heavenly armies. And so when you go out, you are not going out alone. The heavenly armies are going with you. And that he is with his earthly armies too. We are part of his hosts. So this pilgrimage is not alone. There is much more with us than are with them. Like Elisha, when he's surrounded, he only sees, uh, the servant only sees him and Elisha. Elisha says, open his eyes. In other words, let's see things from God's perspective. And there's all around them, they're surrounded by chariots of fire. And so, Peter, you're surrounded by chariots of fire. Kieran and Donna, you're surrounded by chariots of fire. This congregation is surrounded by chariots of fire. He, and there's more angels than demons. I think this is something that the, we forget as a church. We think, oh, all the stuff happening to us, there must be so many demons. It's Halloween today, right? Uh, but it's also Reformation Day, <laughs> right? As, oh, there must be so many demons. Only one-third of the devils <laughs> fell out of heaven. Two-thirds are with the Lord. There's more with us than with them. And this is, the, this is the thing that the Lord wants to give us. We need to see that the whole earth is filled with His glory. That the world that we're living in, yes, there is evil, yes, there is darkness, but God is greater than all those things. 
And there are more angels. Absolutely. And God has his people in the government. God has people in his entertainment industry. God has his people everywhere. You may not know, but he, got, he has his people and he has his angels everywhere. And I'm sure that the reason why Donna did not die is the angels were watching over her. So thank you, Lord, that you are the Lord of hosts. Yahweh Tzavuot. We're not journeying alone. We're in this place of two camps. The earthly camp, but also the heavenly camp is with us as well. And in this, in our, in our camp, there's the breaking out of signs and wonders and miracles, angelic visitations, visions, dreams, prophetic words, supernatural strength and provision. That is a part of who we are as God's people because the machanim, the two camps, are among us. Amen. <laughs> Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, like Gideon there. Well, let's all stand. We're going to pray. Thanks. I talked a little bit longer than I was expecting, but thank you. So let's remember these three things, the CPR that will save us. Every day, crave communion with God. Two, press on in your pilgrimage with Jesus. And three... Rejoice in the Lord always by the Holy Spirit's power. Thank you, Jesus. So, Lord, here we are before you. And I know I have been a bit weary in my pilgrimage. That's why you showed me this vision. I'm starting to get weary. And I'm still struggling, Father, at times. But you are my strength. And I'm praying that you would give strength to each one and that we could live out what we're talking about here, communion and pressing on and rejoicing in the Lord always. And Father, I want to pray a great blessing on this congregation to be fruitful, to multiply, and know that intimacy and nearness with you throughout the week. Lord, bless them and keep them and rest upon them. And make us like that weaned child, calm and content and satisfied. We're, we're not looking for the latest thing. We just love you. We just want to uh, be with you. We just want to do your will, Father. We're living that submitted, surrendered life to you. Lord, take away all those controversies and uh, replace them with communion communion with you intimacy with you in your precious name we'll just have the uh, Anna just play lightly and and the Ryan then I want to do something it's not